Hey everybody, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. And welcome back to the Tape Store. We were made in the 80s. And played in the 90s. Thanks for joining us tonight, guys. And we are in the thick of December. Yes, the bleak midwinter. Yes, which means we're talking about all things holiday related. And tonight we're going to talk about a film that is very much all about the holidays. Oh yeah. Uh, several holidays, uh, two in particular. Um, but and, two of our very, very favorites. Yes, two of our <laughs> very, very favorites. And you probably already know what it is. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, um, just to give some context, a bit of a backstory. Uh, in 1982, one of our favorite creative minds mm-hmm. that we grew up with and are still reaping the benefits of yes. today, Tim Burton. Uh, some of our favorite movies and some of my, uh, again, one of the architects of both of our childhoods. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, is Tim Burton. And uh, just a, just an incredible filmmaker uh, and has made some very iconic stuff. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And has retold stories in very, in very cool ways as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Well, in 1982, he wrote a little poem called The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ta-da. And I didn't know it actually was a poem. Before right. it was a film, I just remember the film. Yeah, but, I don't think I knew it was a poem until I yeah. grew up and looked into the movie itself. He wrote this poem, um, taking from uh, you know other legends of uh, Christmas and holidays and stuff, and um, and again, you know, uh, I just looked up, up. I looked up a lot of this on you know, Wikipedia. Well, all of it. Just <laughs> well, I, I wanted to look up the development. We knew it was a poem. Yeah, uh, no, we did. Because actually, we we we've read the book. They they made the yes poem into a children's book. That's uh, that Tim Burton also illustrated. Yes, and it's really cool. Yeah, um, and, it's really cool looking. And you can find that at least we found it on YouTube. And Christopher Lee reads it, Ugh. and it's absolutely incredible. And if Christopher you don't know, Lee plays in Corpse Bride as well, so yeah. he's he's in some of his canon. Right, and if you don't know who Christopher Lee is, Ugh. you should. But he is Saruman on uh, in Lord of the Rings, yes, and many other things he's been. Oh gosh, yeah. But, but he's that's very what he's most known for in our particular. Yeah, yeah. Time for period. for us, he was known for Saruman, but uh, he's played Dracula and he's played you know uh, many other roles, and he's got a voice mm-hmm. like a very um, iconic, epic, epic voice for something like that. But he reads the the um, he reads the poem, I believe. Yes. Um, and, uh, you can find that like on YouTube or anywhere, but Tim Burton wrote this, uh, poem and, uh, I didn't Nightmare realize it was in 1982. I didn't realize it was that far back. That's yeah. Cool. And Disney was considering it. Now we know the film came out in 93. Yes. 93. Big nineties movie for both of us. Oh yeah. Um, and it is stop motion, which means it took an, an incredible amount of time to make. Yeah. An effort. Right. This, this is really 93. That was really when stop motion was kind of in its heyday. Right. It was. It had been a little bit more perfected by that point because, like Wallace and Gromit and things like that. Right. Yeah. Had been going strong for. Love minute. Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Plug Wallace and Gromit. Right. <laughs> exactly. In that interim time between 1982 and 1993, um, you know, Tim Burton started to grow in success. Um, he did Batman in '89. He did Beetlejuice, I believe, in '88. Oh, yes. '88. I mean, no, Beetlejuice wait, then Batman. Uh, yeah. No, Beetlejuice was '88. Yes. Batman was '89. Because I remember. Because when it was announced that Michael Keaton was going to play Batman, my first response, nine-year-old me, was like, Beetlejuice? Beetlejuice is going to play Batman? And he delivered. yes. He killed it, Michael Keaton. We just watched Beetlejuice in my classes uh, because we've been testing. (laughs) Michael Keaton. Just phenomenal. Okay, but uh, to get back to Nightmare Before Christmas. So in 1993, um, I'm 13, and I see previews for this movie that – 
was just different from anything I had ever seen. For sure. For sure. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, which when you watch... And do you remember the back in the day uh, with uh, movie previews? And, and Brooke, uh, you just played the Nightmare Before, one of the Nightmare Before Christmas yes. trailers. And remember trailers in the 80s and 90s? They would like basically tell you the whole movie. The entire plot. It would basically be the whole movie. Right. Whereas now... They they you almost don't know anything about oh, no. what it's about now. Teaser trailers and trailers in general are it's it's an art form about how it's more than just uh it's it's of course giving you uh, a lot about the movie, but it's also uh, it's not about what you see in the trailer as much as now it's much as as much as what you don't. Well, you see. don't, yeah. I don't think it just that, gives you I some didn't... really cool images and maybe a neat song, yeah. and then you're like, hey, hope you liked that. Come see the movie. <laughs> yeah, I said that terribly. That that was a, such a horribly constructed sentence. But what I'm saying, <laughs> trailers today are just as much about what you see as much as about what you don't see. Man, I can't. It's all right. Let's. You keep guys it. got it. But the bottom line is, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> what you don't see and what you see, you know, they both play into that. But back in the 80s and 90s, it was more like, listen, <laughs> look at this whole movie. And go see it. Right. No, I mean, and it like was now like, make a decision on whether you want to see it. They just were much more, um, it wasn't about keeping things hidden as much as it is today. Yeah. Like, I think trailers and uh, movie trailers have really come a long way over the years as For far sure. as how, um, how much of an art form they are rather than just a promotion. Yeah. Although, to be fair, because of the type of film that Nightmare Before Christmas is, mm-hmm. It was really important for us to see what we were going to be seeing because I remember being a kid and seeing the commercials and uh, it was appealing to more than just kids, I would argue. Now, I was a kid, so I can't say that, but because it was kind of darker and strange, it appealed to a wider audience and we were all like, man, this is, it's not real. Right. But it's not a cartoon. What yeah. is this? So it was very uh, enticing, I think. So it kind of made sense a little bit for them to yeah. tell kind of more of the story. What is this? Right. What's this? What's this? Yes. Sorry. No. It's, just... it's probably going to happen again. No, of course. So <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, I can't say enough how much, uh, how, how unique and uh, really incredible and amazingly um, intricate and how much depth uh, of a uni- uh, in, in this universe that um, Tim Burton creates, and and you really know that when you watch the film, and there's you still have questions after the film, like, well, what was that, and what was this, and we'll yeah. get into that in a minute. But uh, for me, uh, I never seen anything like it. My sister had never seen anything like it. My my sister was at that point uh, ten. Yeah, she's three. My 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 younger sister currently lives in San Francisco. She's three years younger than me. Um, hey Sarah, what's up? I love you. <laughs> I love but, you too. Remember when we went and saw Nightmare Before Christmas, Sarah? Remember that? Um, <laughs> so uh, my dad took us to watch it. My dad, who had no interest in this stuff, like <laughs> no interest in anything like that. My dad was a really big athlete, you know, uh, and uh, pretty much was an athlete most of his life. Yeah. And, I, you know, movies like that that were really, like, eccentric or really uh, imaginative and fantastical. Yeah. He just didn't really, that just wasn't his thing. But did you take y'all to sleep? Well, I know because he felt, yeah, and he fell asleep during it. But I was just <laughs> amazed when I watched it, you know, and that's just, so me and my sister watched Nightmare Before Christmas, and then my dad slept the whole time. But That's okay. <laughs> it's fine. I mean, you're not in damage. I was not allowed to see it because it was too dark for my, but even though, like, right. I was 100% a dark and twisty child, <laughs> but I wasn't allowed to see it. 
right. at that particular point in time. Um, so the thing about so let's uh, you know hitting some high points of the film yes. uh, because let's just discuss that opening scene real well, quick. That's exactly what I was going to say that you talked about. Let's talk about that opening. <laughs> yeah. The thing about this movie is that it grabs you immediately, instantly, instantly Absolutely. grabs you, it instantly grabs you. In fact, uh, I'm just gonna like you know let me hit mute on the TV. Um, the green. It is the green. Well, it's because it's faded and old <laughs> remote. All right. Um, so uh, we're just playing it right now, but I, I just want to, uh, we just kind of want to describe that opening scene. The thing about this movie is that um, it's one it's one of those Halloween, it, it, it encompasses the two holidays of Halloween and Christmas. Yes. You and can watch it at two times a year. So you can watch it from, <laughs> you can watch it from September all the way up to December 25th. And that's and of, what we have been doing. Yes. And of course you can watch it after. Watch it year round. I'm just saying that, you know, it's one of those it, it one of the things I always loved about it is like, oh, we can watch this all through October, all through November, yes. all through December. It is appropriate for many months. I'm very much a purist. I can't watch certain movies if it's not the season for it. Uh, I or at least let's just say I struggle through it. Uh, Brooke is much more I can do what I want. I don't know. Whenever I want. I'm, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I, really. I don't struggle with that kind of thing. I'll watch what I want to watch. Right. When it when the mood strikes. Yes. So, yeah, and I'm not like that at all. So, um, because it, it makes me get sad. when, Like, if I were to watch Nightmare Before Christmas in March, I'd be like, oh, just doesn't feel <laughs> oh. right. should be cold. One time when I was a kid, I did actually turn up our air conditioning really, really low, put on blankets, made cookies, and watched Christmas movies. It was July. Did it? So, did it bring the feeling back? No, but me and my best friend had a great time. Uh, well, we we're like, listen, we miss Christmas, <laughs> so we're gonna do this. Yes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the thing about the opening scene, uh, we said it immediately pulls you in. So in the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, film, Tim Burton has created this um, a universe. It's some it, well, it, it's it's somewhere. It's somewhere, but there's people that celebrate the holidays that we celebrate, or that people celebrate. And, yeah. So there's this like a, a forest, yeah, like, like an, an, an a lost forest somewhere. Yeah, it opens up on this like enchanted forest area. Yeah, and there's a circle of trees, and it's very central to the story because in each of these on each of these trees is a, is a door, and on each door is painted. Uh, something like a symbol of each holiday. A symbol of each holiday. So there's one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, well, five. You, there's you six. There's six. But well, I mean, yeah. So there's Fourth of July. There's Valentine's Day. There's Easter. Easter, St. Patrick's Day. Thanksgiving. Uh, Thanksgiving. Christmas and Halloween. Christmas and Halloween. So again, that yeah, and and, and as it goes around, it, it, you see that they each have a knob. And what is so incredible about this is we only see two of these worlds. Yeah. We only see Halloween and Christmas in this film. But Although we see remnants of Easter because Lock, Stock, and Barrel go into the wrong world. We don't see them do it. Oh, but yeah. But they bring right. back the Easter Bunny instead of Santa. So we see a bit of Easter, but not but, a lot. Right. But even in the opening seconds of this film, Tim Burton has created this this um, this mystery uh, and and – and this, um, I don't know, the, the, the term escape, but he's already created this this, yeah. this mystery and this, 
you're, you're, you're this wonder. Yeah. That's, that's the word. There we go. He's already created like a sense of wonder around the film. There it goes. Found the word. <laughs> But so, yeah, you like. But once you once you okay. have entered the world, you think, oh wow, like there are like curators of these holidays. Like there right. are people that are constantly creating content right. for these holidays. It's a neat idea. The thing that a good storyteller does is not only do they present a good story, but they cause the people who are watching or listening to the story to think beyond what they're seeing and hearing. Right. And for me, I uh, I remember being like. And I still am like this when I watch it. I'm like, well, I I, I want to see what's in the other lands. Mm-hmm. I want to see what's in the other behind the other doors. Like, go to Halloween Land. Okay, yeah, that's great. We've seen Christmas Land. I want to see Easter Land. Yeah, I want to see St. Patrick's Day Land. Yep, Fourth of July Land, America Land, maybe Am- I don't know what they call <laughs> it. But but you and, and you can imagine what it's probably like if you celebrate these holidays. You can probably imagine what it's like. It would have like it would have been nice to see a Hanukkah tree. I know, right? I wouldn't have been mad. Menorah or a dreidel probably would have made. It would have been door. a dreidel probably. A yeah. dreidel would have made a better door. Uh, uh, uh you know, yeah, a better emblem or whatever. All right, but go ahead. The opening sequence grabs you, right? Yeah. So we turn the knob, we go inside the the jack o' lantern head, it, and yes. immediately we see a jack o' lantern. Which, yeah. and for those of you who have seen the movie, uh, when you see the the scarecrow with the jack-o'-lantern head pointing towards halloween town you know that that is also jack because he appears later in the scene on horseback dressed like this. so So as the easter as the easter bunny is to easter and as santa is to christmas christmas jack skellington jack skellington skellington excuse me the pumpkin king yes the pumpkin king is to halloween so when we're going into um so the, the the film immediately uh, opens up and and we go into Halloween Land because our protagonist and our antagonist and and the yeah. bulk of our characters are all from Halloween Land, and it's an incredible song. It uh, really is so good. And I know that you know a lot of people celebrate Halloween, and there's a good many people that don't. But you can appreciate this um, the, the songwriting musically, and, yeah. and musically. And uh, what's interesting is that. What I like too is that uh, Tim Burton, uh, in Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, Halloween is actually um, most. Let's say most. Most of the people that live in Halloween, or the be- excuse me, not people, most of the creatures. They're all creatures. <laughs> most of the creatures that live in Halloween Land are not sinister. Most all. No, of them they they're are there not. to scare on Halloween, and then after that, they're just these good, sweet little citizens yeah. of Halloween Town that are. Working together to make a scary holiday. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and like there's a lyric in the song that says, uh, "That's our job, but we're not mean." Yeah, that's our job, but we're not mean. I in know our exactly town where you were going. Right, and and <laughs> no, and I I just like that, I, and I think that they're just saying that like, hey, look, we're scary and we're creepy, and it's all in good fun, and then we move it on, and then then it's on to Thanksgiving time, you know? Yeah, exactly. They yeah. know their their role. So, and that's the thing about that's well, and that's where. That's where the holiday worlds are important is because everyone knows their role, which is why what Jack does upsets the system. Yes. See, Jack is um, just an incredible character. He's just so neat. I love his voice. Um, he He's voiced by Chris Sarandon. But um, he is sung by Danny Elfman. Yeah, Danny Elfman, the great Danny Elfman, who uh, has... Uh, you he's probably, the composer as well. Yeah, he's the composer for almost... Of uh, well, I don't know most about, of Tim yeah, Burton's most films. all of yeah. Tim Burton the films I've seen uh, he gets Danny Elfman he works with he collaborates with him a lot, 
uh, Danny Elfman, uh, probably most um, for me, I always knew him as the he did Batman, the dun 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 But he has been behind so many other iconic. Um, uh, oh yeah, soundtracks. scores, soundtracks, yeah, scores. scores, film scores. He's one of my favorites. Edward Scissorhands. He did Spider Man, uh, Sam Raimi right. Spider Man. Yes, and it was really really good. Um, so uh, at any rate, so Jack Skellington is. He is the Pumpkin King. He is the quintessential Halloween figure. He's considered the scariest, right? Yeah, and they've they've introduced all these different monsters, and then Jack is the last. Is it they're like, oh look at here comes the Pumpkin King, and everyone's saying everyone hail to the Pumpkin King, right? So Jack is the representation of Halloween Town, even though he's technically not the mayor. <laughs> and he's grand. No, the mayor's the mayor's kind of silly. Yeah, but he's grand, and he's he's adored, and. But he is very much unfulfilled. Right. And we don't see that until after this opening song. We just right. think, oh, wow, there yeah. he is. So his his wonder is preserved. And then we start to see Jack Skellington, the, uh, I hesitate to say person, but, you know, the entity with feelings and emotions. Right. He very He's uh, unfulfilled because he's tired of doing the same old stuff. And yeah, he knows he's going to be the scariest. Right. He knows... The exact same thing. They've yeah. been doing the same thing for probably who, however long these worlds have existed. Right. So he goes on this this soul searching uh, stroll and ends up somehow uh, to a place he has never been, which is what you see at the very begin the beginning of the film, yes. which is this enchanted forest with all the doors to the holidays. And the one that really catches his eye is this door that is uh, decorated like a Christmas tree. It's right. shaped like a tree, and and he's like, man, what is that though? So he opens it up. And he gets pulled in. It pulls him in. He doesn't yeah, that act, is kind of interesting. Yeah, it pulls him in. He doesn't like actually. He, he begins to walk away. Yes, and, and it then pulls the him winds in. of and that's pulling right. Him. And that's how we. Uh, and that's when the the story really picks up as far as like Jack is like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's so different. So what he decides? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, but in this intro, we also meet Sally. Who, who yeah? Who we don't hear her talk at first, but we see she's very empathetic because well, the way yeah. she looks at Jack, the way she notices that Jack has snuck away when mm -hmm. everyone else is still like, "Oh, he's great." Oh, right. she Halloween. actually knows. She seems to have, you no, know, she understands. She understands. She has an. She's intuitive, and she's being held captive by this weirdo Frankenstein esque doctor. Yeah, and she loves Jack. Yeah, she's who has created him. her. Yeah. She loves Jack, and she's loved him from afar. Yes. Uh, based on when you watch the story, it seemed like it, 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 it seems like this has been a long time. Yeah, sweet. But, um, and of course we have the movie on mute, and we just kind of have it playing. Uh, but but Jack, uh, the, the the musical numbers are are just great. Uh, we play the soundtrack <laughs> uh, now. I think Yossi's favorite is uh, our son is what is it making Christmas? Making Christmas. It used to be the the opening, but now it's making Christmas. I like. I still like. Um, this is Halloween. Yeah. Still the best. Um, which Marilyn Manson also did his own version, oh, which was pretty popular for a minute, okay. and then Fiona oh. Apple did. I still like Sally's Lament, which is really pretty, actually. When she oh. did it, I still like. Uh, and uh, Jack has a dog named Zero who looks a lot like, uh, reminiscent of Rudolph. Yes. Not looks a lot like Rudolph, but he's reminiscent of Rudolph. He has a glowing jack o' lantern nose. Yeah. Um, but we loved this movie. Uh, I remember. Uh, I was a big fan of the movie, and. They didn't make like, to my knowledge, growing up. The I don't now. 
you see a lot of toys now because they make toys for everything right, now. Right, because we are the kids that watched it and we've grown up. Right. And now we're all like, okay, wait, I'm super into this. But <laughs> McDonald's had watches. That's uh, right. Yeah, McDonald's Happy Meals had uh, Nightmare Before Christmas watches. If anyone listening has those, you know. Send them to us. Yeah, send them to <laughs> us. Send pictures of them to us. I, I, oh, the I had a couple of them. Um, Jack was obviously my favorite. I, and as you know, you've, I've probably said several times, well, I know I've said several times, you've probably heard me say it, but I, I always love the leader, the protagonist, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always, I love Jack, Jack was my favorite, and there are a lot of great characters in Nightmare Before Christmas, uh, right. you have uh, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, which are these three, um, mischievous little creatures, yeah, and they're kind of the under, uh, well, they, well, they do what Jack says, but they really work for Oogie Boogie. But they really work for Oogie Boogie. Now let's talk about him. Okay. So he's our antagonist. Oogie Boogie's our antagonist. So his vibe, he has a very um, Cajun-like, like he's some kind of L- Louisiana, New Orleans creepo. Because when we when we hear his music, mm-hmm. it sounds like Bayou music. Yeah. And then he's always rolling the dice. And uh, I, I do, I like that Danny Elfman kind of gave him that vibe. And it's, the, it's interesting. Right. And he is the antithesis of Jack. In fact, what's interesting yes. is he's different from Jack in every way, even in the character design. Jack is a, skele- a skeleton with yes. a suit. He's very thin. He's almost like he moves almost like spider like Jack does. Yeah. He, but Jack is now look, Jack is he's good, but he's very, very like self centered, I guess you could say. He is. I remember we, we were just talking about this. We watched it again. I said, man, I said, I don't want to say he's a narcissist, but like. He's he has very narcissistic tendencies. He's very caught up in in his own his own fulfillment. Fulfillment, yeah. And he sacrifices the well being of Halloween Town to serve right. himself. And, and that's this, for me. That's that's troubling because I've always so, liked Jack. Right. And when you're a kid, you're like, oh, Jack's good. You're wrong for the ride when you're a kid. Yeah, you're long for the ride. But when you're older and you watch this, it's like, okay, this is this is the problem. This is why. So this is why Halloween Town and all of the seasons and mm-hmm. the world needs Jack to be where he's at, because w- what Jack does is he goes to Christmas uh, Land. He's com- he's completely enchanted by it. He comes back to Halloween. Uh, comes back yes. to Halloween Land or Halloween Town. Yeah, Excuse and it's me, like it's guys. Christmas Land to Halloween Town. He's like, guys, there's this incredible holiday called Christmas, and we got to do it. And we got to do it. So Jack, and he views it as like, hey Santa, I. I'm doing you a favor. I've got it yeah, this year. Sit back. Let me take it. So he gets lock, stock, and barrel. These three little henchmen, henchmen, which are these they're children. Yeah, um, that look like kids in costume. I guess they're children, they're but that, well, they're bizarros. not. They're, they're little. Yeah, they're everybody in this in Halloween town is 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 like a creature. But yeah, everything looks so interesting and and and. Uh, the art is just oof, and Tim Burton. When you go to Christmas Land, uh, Christmas Land, everything's themed so perfectly, and then it's the same in Halloween. Like the, Halloween I know Town. for those of you, I know probably all of you have seen them, but the a nose in need deserves puffs indeed. Like those little children, those little claymation children that yeah. had little red noses. That's what the kids in in the real world look like, and also what the little elves kind of look like. Right. So it's puffs indeed land. Everybody looks like cute and rosy and. Yes. Here, everybody looks dark and twisty and weird. And right, but nobody's, not everybody. But again, Halloween Town, all in all, everyone's benevolent and fun loving. Right, and then back to Oogie Boogie. He's but, but genuinely the, sinister. Right, but getting back to what we we're saying, this is where you really see um, 
the deeper message, I guess you could say, when you're older. This is why Jack needs to be in Halloween land is because when he does go and do Christmas, one, he doesn't understand Christmas fully. Like you, no. you act, He comes back, and you find that he doesn't fully – he can't even say Santa Claus. He thinks his name's Sandy Claus. Yeah, he gets something right. But he, he does, but because his he is fundamentally meant to do Halloween, Halloween he, he can't, can't do, grasp what what Christmas is in the core of him. Right, it would be he, the same. He looks at it through a Halloween lens. Right, so Christmas is still screwy. Right, when Jack actually ta- he 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 takes uh, Santa Claus captive, he gets lock, stock, and barrel to kidnap Santa, <laughs> and then he basically <laughs> all tre- the wrong steps. Right, but here's the problem: while Jack is off doing Christmas stuff, as uh, you know, pretending to be Santa Claus. Oogie Boogie, who actually doesn't want to have fun with Halloween, he legitimately is evil. Right. Right. Yeah, he wants to. He wants to seriously mess things up for people. And and, and he's like great with Jack being gone. You know. Yeah, he can kind of get his stuff. Well, because also the henchmen, those three little kids, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, they work for Oogie Boogie because in their little song about kidnap the Sandy Claus, they're like, we're gonna bring him to we're gonna bring him to Oogie Boogie. Right. Like the. They out themselves. They're like, hey, we are going to totally right. go back to Oogie Boogie with this stuff. And so Oogie Boogie gets, once he gets his claws, so to speak, yeah. on Santa, he's like, it's bad. It's not yeah, just like, it, hey, Santa, really bad, what's right? up? He like strings them up and is like, you ain't going nowhere. Right. And and Jack, this is, and, and again, this is what's happened. This is a, what Jack has done is he's neglected his duties and because he's become so focused on himself, uh, he threatens what not only are you know the people of Halloween Town threatened, obviously, but so is everyone who benefits from the holidays. Right. And the whole really message is um, is it's about being fulfilled and about yeah. understanding your purpose and about uh, we're not- all t- tailored for certain things, and yeah, that's and okay. We, and to try to be something you're not. Uh, can have really big ramifications. Right, because it's not that Jack can't do what he wants to do. It's that mm-hmm. he's wired. And, and one of the things that he and Sally sing a lot of is meant to be, you know, it's simply meant to be. At the end, it's it's more than just them being a couple. It's that they're meant for Halloween Town, and they do it so well. He had to rediscover his joy and his and love the, for Halloween. Yes, and, once and-, he, and once he screwed up Christmas... And he even has that moment of course, like, what have I done? And, you know, that that happens with all of us. I mean, y- you constantly have to, if you don't, if you don't take the time to really take stock of what's important in your life, then uh, you will take those things for granted. Right. And you do need to take the time to um, rediscover uh, the importance or, or the reason why why you did things. That, that that you loved and then lost that love for, right? Right. And I think for the key for for Jack was understanding that he he was uh, Sally. Yeah, she uh, knew all along what was going to well, happen. What I think Sally did, you know, again, this is an adult watching it. What I felt <laughs> Sally helped Jack do was was look outside of himself and Jack giving love to someone else, which. I mean, Jack does love Sally, but he's too caught up in himself. Yeah, he's too self-centered, and he doesn't he doesn't listen to her. No, he, he has doesn't. To, he he has to one almost ruin Christmas, and get you know knocked on his face, and that's how he learns. And what do we mean by ruin Christmas? Like, what does Jack do? What? <laughs> it's such a great scene. Well, they make these gifts. Like the elves make gifts, right, for Santa. Well, 
Jack has his the, little people. His little people in Halloween uh, town make gifts for kids for Christmas. But again, everything's through a Halloween lens. So, so they're like, oh, yes, a shrunken head for this kid. Yeah, there's this whole sequence where kids are opening stuff up like, what did Santa get you in the morning? You yeah, know? what did Santa bring you, honey? And he holds up a shrunken head. And then one of the gifts is a snake that is eating a Christmas tree. Right. Uh, these little toys that come to life and bite. Like, it's, I mean, it's hysterical as an adult to watch, but like, That'd be horrifying, like <laughs> if it were right. real. So these there's see the the sequence where all this is happening. The police station's getting all these calls about like, you know, people are turning up their furnace. They don't want Santa to come down the roof. They're like, right. we don't know where Santa is. So it's They're like, we've shot down the fake Santa, and I guess Christmas is yeah. canceled. And thankfully, you know, Jack and Sally rescue Santa from Oogie Boogie. Yes, it, he gets out and he's like, golly, right. he's like, look, just Santa. I think has to kind of. Yeah, I mean, well, Santa, he said, because Jack know it, is like, I know I'm it. sorry, I hope it's not too late. And he goes, I'm Santa Claus. Like, yeah, seriously, like, get out of the way. This is why you need to, like, this, you know. Stay Chris, in your lane, basically. Yeah, they need me now. And I think Jack is, you know, that's when I think he finally understands. But I do think Sally was key to that. Because yes. um, Jack, and, and sometimes, not sometimes, I think all the time, I think it's fundamental that when you when you care about someone else, and when you when you um, essentially give your heart to someone else or yeah. give a part of your heart to someone else, however you want to say it, yeah, um, to do it the right way, you have to get outside. You you can't focus on yourself so much anymore. Yeah. And I think that Sally was key to Jack returning, coming full circle, and understanding that no, I'm supposed to be the Pumpkin King. Yeah. Uh, again, understanding that we're all meant to do something, and ultimately we all have a lane we have to stay in in yeah. life. And the person that Jack really did wrong uh, um, big time was Santa because he hijacked Santa's job. I know. And they know? had like, they had been preparing. And he was like, it's cool. I right. got it. So a lot to, a lot to. There's glean. a lot to unpack about this movie. And like, right. I do love Sally because she's very, pro- she has, she plays a very prophetic role in this um, script. And I like Sally because it's hearkening back to the Frankenstein story yes. because her creator, that weird doctor, his Finkelstein, it's a weird name. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, he creates her. And if you've read Frankenstein, you know that, you know, Dr. Victor Frankenstein creates the creature thinking, oh, I'll have made this person. And he ends up being completely free thinking for himself, you know? So it ends up being. It is More Dr. than he bargained for, huh? It is Dr. Finkelstein. Finkelstein, yes, I thought so. But Sally... Um, Catherine O'Hara, yes, by the way. Uh, A.K.A. the mom from Home Alone. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and the wife from Beetlejuice. Yeah. Oh, Absol- she's, she's phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. And if you've watched we any say of the that. Christopher Guest like mockumentaries, <laughs> yeah. she's always a heavy hitter in those, and she's phenomenal. Um, but no, but Sally has this ability to foresee the future. Like She has a flower, and she sees it turn into a Christmas tree, and then it turn into flames yeah so she has this unique prophetic ability which is interesting because she is a created creature Mm -hmm. so i like just the english major me is like ooh, Mm -hmm. let's that's a really neat element there but she's she one is very intuitive and two she does have this foresight ability so the whole time she's so supportive of jack even though she knows he's wrong right well yeah and i always think it's interesting when um when you, the obvious protagonist and hero, mm. well, see, that's the thing. So the protagonist of Nightmare Before Christmas is Jack. I think the hero is Sally. Yes, um, I would agree with that. And, and I think it's always interesting when 
storytellers and filmmakers make these stories uh, and create these stories where you have the protagonist who's on the journey. Yeah, we're but, following their story. But, and they're supported, though, by people who are actually better than them in some in many ways. Like yeah. Sally is kind of, in my opinion, I think Sally's a better person she's than She's his Frodo. I mean, she's, right. his, she's his Sam. But then at the same time, <laughs> and then you might say, well, well then, I mean, yes, Sally in, in many ways is a better person than Jack. However, Sally couldn't do what Jack does. So right, well, again, Jack, then you, there, and then we're back to the we're all created to be in certain right roles. Jack is the uh, is the he's the idealist and he's the visionary and he's passionate and he's, he's a one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, there you are. What is it? Here the we Enneagram? go. The Enneagram. No, I don't think he actually is a one. I think he's something else. I'm sure we could probably find that out. Let's look. We need to look that up. Right, we go ahead and do that. Okay. Well, yeah, but no, I mean, I I think that in many ways that I mean, but we see that like even in Lord of the Rings, you know, like. Uh, who, who, when we think about who takes the ring, it's Frodo. But I think the real hero in that situation was Sam. So I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's important to um, it, it's important to stop and look at those those different characters, uh, right. do a character analysis. And I mean, I think that's really how you get a lot from a story. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you're having fun. But I think when you get older, um, when you can look at those things through a different lens, and 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 uh, really see how uh, how many layers there are to these characters right. and and uh, how they even apply to you or people you know and well that's so we're uh how are we doing are we find I'm anything? trying to I mean like there are some people who say he's a one some people say he's a four what's a four I don't know because I mean, I'm I'm a nine and you're a one so like yeah. I only know my we type. did do the enneagrams I'm a one y'all they're super accurate. They are actually. When I was reading mine, I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I was like, "Yes, I feel mine, seen yeah. and also attacked." Right. So <laughs> you really learn about what your strengths and weaknesses are. I think Jack's a one. Uh, but you know, and ones are what? How would you describe a one? Um, driven, passionate, um, the moral police. Yeah, but Jack's not. Um, well, no, but like that's why I say I don't think he's. A, I don't think he's a one. Wow, it's interesting because he is not on a quest for rightness. No, he he's, is, it's, he it's is very a, self, on a quest for self-fulfillment. His own fulfillment, which yeah. Which ones are not selfish. Ones are, if, oh. if anything, they're actually super self-sacrificing for the greater good. All right. So, so. Um, I want to wrap things up with uh, talking about what we did a few years ago with, um, you know, as you know, Brooke and I are both teachers. Uh, I've been teaching a lot longer than Brooke. Brooke's actually new. Uh, yes. Well, well, I mean. I've been teaching in different ways right. for the years, but, but you've been um, an actual school teacher. A few for like years, yeah. Back years. in two thousand, yeah. But uh, I've been teaching about yeah. Twelve. It'll be twelve years this January. Yeah. Brooke and I used to co-sponsor a book club with the media specialist, two thousand twelve to two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Um, just a great group of kids, and the media specialist was around our age. She was younger, um, and we really connected with the kids. But we did. And we this- are all still very good cl- friends and close. We're. I'm actually currently in a group chat trying to figure out when we're going to meet next. Oh yeah, definitely. So it's wonderful. Well, I would love to do something. I would love. We've to- already talked about doing this. What we're about to talk about. Okay, good <laughs> for this well, year. <laughs> so we had this Christmas party planned, and uh, for the book club, and the and the media specialists and all of us, we would always be like, okay, look, everything has to be based on a book. And we were, this is how we found out that Nightmare Before Christmas yep. was actually based on a poem. Because you're like, wait a minute, if it's a poem, then that kind of counts. It was something written. Yep. Before it was a movie. Exactly. So uh, here's the problem. Mo- 
most of or many of the book club members were all going to be out of town for uh, we couldn't have a Christmas party. Right. And it's finals time. It's crazy anyway. So. So what we decided to do that year, and I think it was 2000. Uh, it was it was definitely. Four, Thir- it had to be 13. It was either 13, 14 or 14, 15. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Year. I think it might have been 14, 15. But what we decided to do was, <laughs> hey, let's have the party in February and let's call it Febramus. Yep. And it was entirely themed as Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, Christmas tree. We had Christmas trees. Everything. We played, uh, well, I guess it's called Yankee Swap or White Elephant. White Elephant is what most people we call, call it. Yankee- but Michael Scott calls it Yankee Swap. <laughs> right. But um, we had, do we have pictures from that still? Because I would love to post those yeah, on Yeah, I'll Instagram, have to but, dig them up, but I'm, uh, I know we We had do. kids, a lot of our book club kids were art students and they made cookies decorated with like the the curling bridge it was beautiful which is like or the curling hill it's it's that iconic you guys know yeah i took a picture of it while we were it's the iconic um living hill that jack uh he's singing his lament he's singing and he walks down and it starts to roll it starts to unfurl and it's like an iconic symbol of the uh, of the film but they put that on cookies it was incredible and we had so much fun. Uh, Febramus. Yes. It was. And we've um, had it for a few. I mean, as much as we could. A we few had it, years yeah. since then. It was a big deal. Uh, and it was it always it was always Nightmare Before Christmas. We did it twice. We did two big ones. And they were both. It's Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, uh, we had a little Jack Skellington like fudge. Yeah. Like like it was like it, it was, was just the best. I don't know. It just anyway. So but Brooke and I love this movie. It's it's just a lot of fun. And the um, soundtrack's great, as we've said. And yes, and it's just brilliant. It's really one of a kind. I would have loved to have seen a sequel. I would have loved to have seen these characters. Uh, I would have loved to have seen Jack do more. I'd be af- I'd be afraid to. No, it, to but touch then again, it again, it's like you don't want to touch it. Yeah, it's it's, it's so don't. well done the first time. Yeah, we can't all be Toy Story. No, we can't. Okay, guys, we're going to wrap things up and close the tape store down for the night. Yes. Um, if you have uh. Oh, oh, nineties relics. Jeez. Okay. You have to. That's our Sorry. The part. The ending part of our show. And I was going to forget about it. Okay. So one, I am wearing a Nightmare Before Christmas uh, pumpkin king. Um, I don't know what those hats are. Called. It's called. Well, it's called a. Uh, I think it's called a duckbill hat or a newsboy hat. I like newsboy uh, hat. We'll put a picture. Uh, <laughs> either way, we'll put a picture of it yes, on the Instagram. We found it in the mountains. I found it in the mountains, which we are going in two weeks' time. Yes. We're excited, uh, and we get some great thrifting done up there. Oh man! Uh, Just and, check your Instagram. Right. So, but for now, so and it was it was thrifting. I believe it was uh, two years ago. Yep. That I got this hat. Yep, yep, yep. And could not believe that someone would get rid of this. It is a Jack Skellington hat. It looks like it was made from different fabrics, and it's got Jack Skellington's head. It says Pumpkin King on it. It is one of my favorite hats, and I'm wearing it now in honor <laughs> of the Pumpkin King. Yes. And Nightmare Before Christmas. Also, um, we have on audio cassette, I'm holding it in my hand, New Kids on the Block, Merry Merry Christmas. And I remember listening to this. My sister was a huge New Kids on the Block fan. Uh, I liked some of their music, but I would have never told her that. Uh, but I actually like the Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> God, that was great. Okay. Sorry. So New Kids on the Block, Christmas album. Um they're having a good old time on the cover. Just oh, having yeah. a great time. Yeah. No cares, no worries. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, um, so Merry Merry Christmas. And I remember listening to this with my sister. I have a memory where we were listening to this and decorating the Christmas tree. Uh, it was very much a big part of my childhood, thanks to my sister, Sarah, who was a huge 
uh, New Kids fan. Yes. And I liked this album, particularly the Christmas album, um, but I would have never told her that until now. All right. <laughs> so we have the New Kids on the Lots Block of tape. This today. was from what year? 1989. Wow. wow. And the hat, I don't know where, but we know it's That's for. That's all right. Are you, uh, we, we know it's for Nightmare Before Christmas, 1993. So uh, there's our 80s and 90s uh, relics. And now, with that being said, we can officially uh, close down the tape store. And we will see you next week. And until then, this is Toby. And this is Brooke. And happy holidays wherever you are. And again, thanks for stopping in the tape store. Thanks for hanging out with us. And we'll see you next time. We'll see ya. Thank you.